Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Mike. And this is Pizza Burger. And today we are going to be talking about gardening. But first, I have two follow-ups from previous episodes. Two episodes ago, we talked about music and we talked about vinyl for the majority of it. And I mentioned that all of the records I have were purchased for me by Mike. But I have now officially purchased one for myself. It's a pre-order of the 25th anniversary of Panic at the Disco's A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. The most shocking thing about this is that came out when I was five years old somehow. But you listen to it when you listen to music? <laughs> yes, I listened to it when I listened to music. First of all, I... After it came out, like a decade <laughs> later, you started listening to it. I, I would say middle school. So yeah, sometime between, you know, nine and 13 years later. You listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. So you pre-ordered a new copy. Are there old copies? And have you looked for those? I have not looked. I don't, I had, didn't look into it at all. I got the email because it was a site that I had purchased a record for you from. Mm-hmm. And it was... It's the Panic at the Disco, Fever That You Can't Sweat Out, FBR, Fueled by Ramen, 25th Anniversary Edition. It's silver. The vinyl is silver. So it was only $25, so I was like, why not? And I know I'll listen to that one. But um, the other follow-up I have is that we had some listener mail. So last week we talked about camping And we talked about how I made up a scale. I made up a scale of camping ability. And Peanut, our sound engineer, actually emailed me and said that she believes that she would be an enthusiast as well since she's gone camping multiple times and has also used your equipment. Some of my equipment I guess she has used. Mm -hmm. I'm failing to think of what those would be. Um, your tent? Well, yeah. Possibly your sleeping bag? A little bit. A little bit. Um, she's definitely used my sleeping bag in that she peed on it the first time we went. Yep. So she did use mine to a certain degree. And she also used your pans, technically, when we cooked her her chicken. What do you mean? When we cooked her her chicken over the fire, we used your pans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pants. I thought you said pants. And I was like, when did she sleep in my pants or something? (laughs) I don't know, Mike. That's a question for another podcast, I think. How often Peanut gets in your pants. So the second update? That that was the second update. (laughs) (laughs) Our first listener mail. Wow. Thank you, Peanut. Thank you, Peanut. You don't do your job, but you do support the pod. (laughs) So gardening... What can we say about gardening? Well, we're start with your herbs and what you're growing. Okay, so I guess as far as a garden goes, you can have a flower garden, you can have a vegetable garden, and you can have an herb garden, possibly a subset of vegetables, not technically, but I would say it's in that category. It's a food item. And When Mike and I sit down every year and talk about what we want for our gardens, because we have various gardens, 
Um, usually I decide the flowers and he'll decide the vegetables. And we both kind of take care of the flowers and then he takes care of the vegetables. And then for the past couple years, I've been doing herbs. We also technically have a tiny little cactus garden, which is like one giant flower pot with four types of cacti in it. Five, I think. Five. Where did uh, maybe there's four. From? I don't remember how many. We took one out. We added one later. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah, that might be an issue. I don't know. <laughs> They're getting tall. Yeah. They're not like widening, widening out. I don't really know anything about cacti except that. If you go near a plant, it grows. That's all I know about plants, really, is that if Mike touches, goes near, breathes on, gets within a foot of, it somehow grows. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because <laughs> that's what happens. I can care for a plant, water it, give it sun, you know, do all the things I think it needs, and it'll die for no reason, just to spite me, I think. And then you just, like, go near plants and they grow. Like, they come back from the dead to please you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, I don't think that's it. It just, I, I think I had the same problem you had when I started growing things. And that was, you can overwater them. You can, like, there's always something you don't account for. And then you, you add it to, like, the next season's things of things you do. Like, list of things you do. So is one of them like special incantations you do in the middle of the night under a full moon when I'm asleep? Because explain to me how our peony died and came back. Oh, I don't know. This is my first year doing that. So it was, it seemed gone. It was his first year I using his around. magical powers in that way. I dug around it with my hands in the dirt where I had planted the peony bulb things. Yeah. And I, I thought it was gone. I thought it was gone, and then I came back. I haven't looked at it in a couple of days. And that's part of growing things, is that it's kind of like one of those situations where if you videotape yourself, you don't realize how many times you, unless you videotape yourself, you don't realize how many times you're going to the fridge to eat a snack or something. Mm -hmm. So if you check on your plants all the time, you never register any growth because you see them all the time. I only go out every three or four days at the, a minimum. And look at your vegetables. And, yeah, and, and look at things. Unless I really want to go harvest things every day, I just let it grow and occasionally give them some fertilizer. And, and if I kinda... were to do that, they'd say, she's neglecting us. She doesn't care about us. Um, I'm going to die to show her she should have come out here more often. I think that's what happened with my herbs if I didn't visit them enough. Yeah, well... Have you but you have to use the herbs? Yeah, that's the hard part, I'd say, because they grow so fast and unless you like literally cook every meal with them, you're never gonna use all the herbs you grow. I yeah. think that's pretty common. People don't know what to do with them. Just like tomatoes. Nobody ever uses all the tomatoes they get. They try to pawn them off on people. Cause there's two types of people in the summer. People who grow tomatoes and people who are given tomatoes. <laughs> Yeah. Because you always have too many, no matter what. You can't use them all. This year, I tried something new with my herbs, and I started them from seed, which I had done before. But this time, I started them indoors way before they would be going outside. 
and I kind of made this one shelf on our back porch, which is not insulated the same way the house is. So in the winter, we have a space heater out there to make sure that it stays warm because it would like, it would be annoying because like our microwave is out there, whatever. I cleared off an entire shelf and then I put grow lights on the bottom of another shelf to make this like one shelf just be a growing zone. So I had peat pellets and I just went to the dollar store and I bought these little like metal tins that you would bake like a loaf of bread in and I was able to fit eight jiffy peat pellets in each one and then when you you would think like oh it's so tiny like you only plant one seed per pellet but not every seed is a guarantee so you plant like two to three seeds per pellet so at the most you could end up with 24 little seedlings of each herb and for some like the basil the cilantro and the dill this year they were nuts like there were three oh and the thyme there were three little seedlings per peat pellet and then what you have to do as an herb parent is after fostering these herbs and waiting weeks sometimes months for them to grow you then have to willingly kill them kill some of them to make sure the others survive so if you have like two or three if you have any more than one seedling per peat pellet you have to try to choose which one looks the best the strongest and you have to kill the others why because otherwise they won't have a chance to grow it would be too small of an area for that many plants to share i suppose he supposes he doesn't follow actual like there's too much there's too many doesn't need to uh, there's too many things on the internet or like they'll just this contradictory information the way i look at it is that you can throw down a handful of seeds into any given number of services and, and it'll grow you can yeah, but <laughs> the, sa- the same results could be had without the dramatic murdering of your children. <laughs> like, you could have just taken dirt and thrown it in the cookie pans. Oh, my God. And just like the thrown some tins? seeds in there. And then, like, it's not, you know, you never see a single wild parsnip or whatever. It's like a field of parsnip, <laughs> right? I guess in the wild, I don't know where you're going. To, what and what's parsnip? Parsnip. It's a like I was okay. Well, you can. You mean parsley? It could be parsley. Parsnip is a thing. I've seen chamomile wild. And it's everywhere. It's not just like hey, look, one plant. Yeah, but you don't know like of a hundred seeds, how many of those it might look like. Oh my god, every seed that fell grew here, but that's not what happens when you do it in a controlled environment like i don't think and first of all because we live in new york what zone are we you don't know know. he shrugs because he doesn't need to know because he has this like supernatural gardening ability but if i were to just put seeds in dirt like he's describing and not have enough light and not have enough warmth nothing would happen okay so part of the that's part of the thing. It's like, yeah, you can look at a guide and it can tell you what the zones. I learned, I learned about the zones for the first time this year. 
And uh, I still yeah. don't fully understand it. Well, the so, zone isn't as important as the frost date. So I also don't go by that. Haven't ever cared for the frost date. Because this year I waited until the frost date. Because you you said something. And I'm behind everybody else. Because everyone, it's te- more temperate here than the frost date would imply. Yeah. I could have had, ev- everyone else had a lot of plants out in the garden already. So I would be harvesting already instead of just harvesting. Who Who's everyone else? Other people. I don't know. Oh, other people in his secret gardening cabal that he's a part of. No one I know. Yeah, that's nobody. <laughs> but I know that we're with everyone else on tomatoes. Possibly. And I know My that... My parents are ahead of us on tomatoes. Okay. Because they already have some. We haven't picked up any and they brought us some. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say, what I was getting at with my herbs is I planted nine herbs and six of them survived the process to become adult plants. But I don't think that having more, you know, when I did it or like if I had put them outside before the frost date would have made a difference in that case because they never came out of the peat pellet. Like the seeds went in and plants didn't come out. Like, there were no seedlings to even plant outside. Mm. So, I don't know really what happened there, but, like, I got no mint. I got no lavender. Lavender is always the one that I don't put much stock into because it could... It's, like, one of the hardest things to grow from seed, even though I did, like, English lavender, which is supposed to be the easiest. Of eight peat pellets, I got one seedling that died within a week. So, it's, like... I think for me specifically, it wouldn't have mattered because they there were no seedlings to plant of those herbs. But you just don't know because if you do, if you were to put your plants out before the frost date, like everyone else, and we got snow randomly, like we got this spring, they would die. Maybe. Possibly. And then we'd be saying, see, we should have waited for the frost date. Like, it's just completely dependent on what happens is what you think you did is right. Possibly, yeah. And you could do the same exact thing next year and the conditions would be different and then the plants might not grow. And that's why I have to rely on my research on the internet because otherwise I don't think I would do anything correctly But I think no matter what you do, it works. You just have this natural gardening ability that I don't have. And that's why you can be so, like, blasé about it. Because it always works for you. It's kind of like kids in school where there's kids who would just pick it up, like, sit in class and absorb information and pass the test and then there's kids who had to like go home and study all night to pass the test you're the kid that absorbs the information and your plants are the ones that thrive i mean i'm not that wasn't that successful this year so i wouldn't say that too much but sure which things are not doing well the peppers uh peppers like the fourth year in a row i haven't been able to grow peppers and then you know just the cucumbers i didn't plan plant plan or plant the correctly so i just again i just threw them in the soil i didn't really make them in any sort of row or 
and they're just like growing out and up over the area that I need them to. So they're they're overgrowing the beans Green that beans. are hard to get to in and harvest, and then the snap peas are kind of okay, but half of them died. So it's not too it's not too good. I'm not super excited this year. It was better last year. And then I would say next year don't listen to me. Like if I'm doing one thing with the herbs and the seeds, you can do your own thing. And then it'll probably be better because you do know what you're doing. I just learned about the frost date. So then this year it was my big thing. Like I timed everything based on that frost date. Because for example, some herbs um, will produce a seedling in seven days. So you can start that in April, you can start it in May, and you'll get herbs all summer from that. And basil is one of them. Basil is one of the easiest things. But then there's others like the lavender could take up to 90 days to have a seedling. So not only does it take so long, you don't know if it's going to fail for three months (laughs) until like you just decide one day, I guess I'm not having any lavender after planting seeds like a whole season ago. Yeah. And it's sad. But every year I try it and I'm not going to give up until I get lavender. That's good. So it is, while it can be discouraging, it's also rewarding. Like it's never in the middle. And it is, in my case, more encouraging than discouraging this year because, like I said, six out of my nine herbs made it and are going absolutely crazy. So I think that's the thing is I'm focused so much on trying to get the herbs to adulthood that once they're there, I don't know what to do with them. Because I'm like, if I cut them too early, are, is the plant going to die? If I don't prune them the right way, is the plant going to die? And it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So you have to prune your herbs or they'll die. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have to use them or store them. store them or something in order to have more and for the plant to thrive. So sometimes I'll just go out there and prune them, but I don't actually use the herbs. And then, you know, you cut off like the dead parts or whatever. But I find that mine aren't dying. They're getting white. So I don't know if that has something to do with... I don't know what that is. But we are... I would say, like, up until last year, we never did any perennials with our flowers. I would just buy brand new six packs of, like, marigolds and impatiens because... Like you can tell from this whole episode, I'm not super confident in my own gardening abilities. So I have found the flowers that work for me. And in the front of our house, marigolds are usually the most hardy for the like harsh direct sunlight that the front of the house gets. And then in the backyard, impatiens do well in the shady area that we plant the flowers. So it's kind of like They're completely opposite. It's like super, super sunny and then super shady in the back. And this year I even tried to grow marigolds from seed. And that was a fiasco because they would grow like in three days and then die in three days. Like I had no clue what was going on with those marigolds. But I'd be willing to try that again also because unlike, and I want to talk about this in a second, 
Clarkson's farm, like real farmers, you it's low risk. So it's very cheap to buy seeds. It's very cheap to buy the soil that you use with seedlings or peat pellets. It's all very inexpensive. And if it's successful, it's going to save you a lot of money from buying like already grown flowers, even though there's like lots of sales or you can go to like Home Depot where they're pretty cheap. It's always going to be cheaper to start it yourself. But if it doesn't work, it's not like you're out of a ton of money because seeds are like 50 cents and it's a whole, you know, you'll get 50 flowers for 50 cents if they all grow. But my marigolds did not. So it was kind of sad. But one of our plants that's doing really good this year is our hydrangea bush, which we got last year. Mm -hmm. And it has doubled in size. You know, it wasn't huge when we got it, so it's not huge now, but it's pretty big and it's big enough that there's enough flowers on it for me to actually cut some fresh flowers and bring them inside. And they last about a week and a half, which is longer than I thought they would, honestly, Um, because someone I work with has full grown peony bushes. So she'll bring me peonies every now and then. And they last like two or three days and then they're like falling apart but the hydrangeas last like a good week and a half if they're like nice and fresh when you cut them and I know it sounds like why would I cut off the flowers that are nice and fresh from the bush some of them kind of grow inwards so you don't see them anyway and they don't get sun so if the flowers grow inwards into the bush I'll cut those because you're not going to see them anyway and they're not going to last very long inside of the leaves we put a ring around it as well to help support some of the larger blooms yeah they're heavy we planted three peonies or three sets of two sets of peonies and one on its own because we had five total i think so it was like there were two in one box and three in another i mean literally these things were at walmart Like, peonies are one of the most expensive flowers. I wanted them. I wanted one to, like, a few peonies in my bouquet for our wedding. And it's in the fall, so that's not going to happen because our florist told me the only place you can get peonies that month is in Australia. (laughs) So, unless I, like, have an Australian hookup by that time. Like, somebody who can yeah. mail me a peony, like, Without overnight it to yeah. me. <laughs> like, somehow, it's not happening. We got two, like, almost coral, like, um, tropical-looking peonies. And then three, like, blush pink ones. Yeah, but I don't remember which ones we planted. Which ones are still alive. Yeah, it's hot. We, we won't know until they grow. Yeah. Or if they grow. And it's just that, like, we knew... It's said on the box, like, we planted them this year, there'd be no flowers. You'd just be establishing the plant. But next year, if they're still alive, they should have a flower Yeah. by that point. Well, we'll have to get something to protect them from the snow. Yep. And they're kind of spread out. They're, they're like, four inches tall, roughly. The one that's grown, yeah. The one that's grown. The one that came back from the dead is, like, two inches tall. So they won't be hard to cover up or anything. 
but every year the hydrangea it gets bigger but it's worth you know taking care of because it comes back strong and a brand new hydrangea plant like that is like $25 yeah. so every year that we keep it alive we're saving $25 well yeah because yeah. that's the thing about just buying annuals like I was doing is you get them for a year and that's it and if you buy it and it dies that's it so I stopped buying like the little chintzy six packs and I've started buying like larger plants like a six inch plant is the smallest I'll go because just like cost wise it's better even though the plant itself is more expensive and this is my tip to anyone who like wants to start buying flowers every year don't go smaller than six inches because the little six packs they might look like you're getting six plants but when you really look at them and you go to plant them not all of them are going to have a flower that lives a lot of those six packs half the flowers are dead already when you buy them so you can do what I used to do and meticulously go through each six pack and switch out flowers. And you can only do that if it's not busy and people aren't watching you like employees. I used to do that. Or just buy the six inch ones because they're going to they start bigger and they're going to get bigger. Whereas the little six packs aren't going to do anything for you. They're going to stay tiny and they're not going to fill up a lot of space. And half of them are dead already. Yeah. So don't... I know you can get what seems like six flowers for $2 or whatever. But I would rather get one six-inch plant for like $5. Because it's just going to live. And it's going to take up more space in your garden. So we have a lamppost with a round garden around it. That's been there forever. But this year, we actually put an old fire pit. It was like fake bricks over the lamppost to make it like a raised garden bed and that's where we put dahlias and we can't remember the other kind it's been overtaken by the dahlias anyway at this point yeah it's in there and it makes flowers or it's kind of been just kind of stalled and i think it's because it doesn't get a lot of sun uh i've been told not to worry about it so i'm just kind of leaving it and it's a perennial as well so whatever it ends up being It'll I'll be, have it'll to, come back. It'll either come back or we, because some of them, I believe the dahlias, a lot of people say that you dig them back up. Oh. And you put them in like a brown paper bag and you put them in the, someplace where it'll be dry and warm or like cool and dry. Is it bulbs? Yeah. They're like kind of like bulbs. Oh, okay. And you just plant them every year and people say that you just keep going back and they get bigger and bigger, the bulbs, I guess. The bulbs are like the plant that it produces each yeah, time. Yeah, I guess so. That's cool. I really like the dahlias now that we have them. I like the way they look. That's like, I don't, not knowing anything really about flowers and realizing, like I knew that tulip bulbs were a thing, but I didn't realize the different varieties of how they can kind of like live and hibernate and all that stuff. So, Yeah, well, we have tulips every year in the garden just because the bulbs are in there. And unless we were to go through that whole garden and dig them up, yeah, we only get we only got like two or three this year. Yeah, and they only last like a couple weeks, if that. But those dahlias are probably going to last like into the fall. Yeah, I would hope so. Because that's one of the flowers that I was offered to be in part of our wedding. Mm. Because they're a fall flower. Yeah. 
Well, they're the ones, the blooms we have now are only on one plant. All the other bulbs are coming from other plants. Like the, the plant that's blooming now has all the biggest bulbs, but there are other plants in there with bulbs, so hopefully they bloom as well. Yeah, I hope so. The dahlias did already, so that's good. At least we got one. But it just, it looks nice. It's got a lot of leaves and stuff, so even if we don't get flowers, at least it looks nice. It almost <laughs> looks like a weed at one point, though. It's a little annoying, but it grew bold. Like it, by that time, you watch it for a little while, and you're like, oh, there it is growing a flower, so okay. Yeah, and usually the weeds we have are like light green, and these are all deep, dark green leaves, so it's easy to like tell the difference. Yeah. We actually expanded our garden bed in the backyard to go around our little screen house and you planted a little tree of some kind. So I planted a little pointed little pine tree thing. I don't know what they're called. It's like decorative. Yeah, it's a little decorative pine tree. It'll, you know, get bigger over time, I guess. We could trim it. Yeah. The issue with that is that I probably shouldn't have my dad gave me more perennials, columbines and lupins. And they're kind of doing the same thing the peony is. The issue with that is that they're all too close to each other. Mm. So at some point, the hydrangea will either kill or be killed by the columbines. Not the good hydrangea. We planted a, a new baby hydrangea. So unless I can direct the columbines kind of away from the uh, hydrangea, then something's going to happen there. I don't know why. The yeah. peony and the lupins might have a better fare just because of how, you know, the peonies are generally taller and yeah, how wide a hydrangea bush will get. So who knows what will happen. The hydrangea bush could get so big and it could get pushed into that corner spot as well. Yeah. It could kind of grow that way. So who knows? Um, well, obviously it'd be nice if it was like a uniform bush, but if you can... Make it look good, I guess. Who cares? Right. Especially the hydrangeas, how many blooms you get. And, like, we don't know how long it would be with that baby because the one we bought was already, like, a mature plant. This one we started from a bulb or whatever it was, a root of some kind. So, so basically, yeah, uh, we went to – I started going to a couple, like, local stores that had berry bushes and things like that and bought some stuff there. And they were, like, a, a little tiny – bud or bulb or a little tiny cluster of leaves sitting in a bag of dirt and you had to kind of plant it relatively quickly the other stuff we bought like the dahlias and the other thing and the hostas and everything up front we all we all or we bought in like on the clearance rack of the yeah, of the Walmart. garden centers. Yeah, whatever garden center <laughs> I was in. I just looked for especially in Lowe's they had a lot of just they were just all marked four dollars or all marked six dollars so i would just look through stacks and stacks of annuals until i found like a couple of perennials and basically try and bring them home and bring them back because then did, it's like you course. save that's how you, you kind of get the value of it right is you don't try and buy the expensive perennials you try and buy the ones that nobody else bought that are still hanging on yeah and you just go home and repot them immediately wait a week and there you go and they come back so it's not too difficult. And if you do it crude, and that's why I kind of like, I tell people to do it simply. Like, don't worry about all the kit and caboodle, because like, expect a failure first two years. 
of gardening in yeah, general. Yeah, why not? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I did because I didn't know what flowers would work in the conditions that I had. Yeah, and that's why I say, like, it's just easier to just get, like, uh, a container. Like, you, you could grow a tomato out of a large enough thing of Tupperware. Like, you could do it. Yeah. You, know, you don't really need, like, a coffee can or something. Like, you could grow a tomato plant out of a coffee can. Yeah, people do it on, like, their little balconies in yeah, New York City. Yeah, or even out of, like, the bags. I mean, they grow them upside down. It's, like, crazy. Oh, heavy. yeah. So, like, I always tell people, like, who cares about how much how much of a mess you make or how much of a, you know, as long as you start small and kind of just throw stuff together, eventually you'll figure it out over the course of, like, the watering and the sun and, obviously, you can just Google that stuff. But as far as, like, you might as well go buy the, the cheap, crappy plants and try and cook, like, bring them along. Yeah. Because you're going to get crappy plants anyway, like, no matter what. So right. you might as well start there and learn how to... And you might end up better for it because you, like, learn how to to revive a plant so that if you do buy plants that are doing well and they start to go bad, you've learned some tactics on how to bring them back. Because what ultimately ends up happening is... Whether you grow a plant from a seed or grow a small seedling into a large vegetable plant or something, if you overwater or underwater or undersun or oversun a plant, all those different actions that you've done, like if you've done one of those four, you can go online and you'll find like, okay, you'll, you'll firstly you'll look at your plant, it's wilting or it's doing something, and you Google it, and it will be a. It's just like why a doctor doesn't want you to go to WebMD. For your symptoms. Yeah. It's the You're same always thing dying. applies to plants because any symptom you find will be like the root cause of six different problems. Yep. So you, if you think you're overwatering, like you have to commit to not watering and seeing what happens. Sometimes you just, you actually weren't overwatering, you were underwatering. And yeah. then you've killed it. Right. Because you don't know. Because you don't know. So you kind of have to expect to grow like, you start with four times as many seeds because half of them are going to die. And then you expect, okay, you have two times as many seeds as you you want to grow because yep. half of them won't make it past seedlings. Right. Like and I you didn't might want do eight another birds. One. Yeah. I didn't want eight basil plants. Yeah. You just kind of hope you get two. And you can, there's no problem with just literally culling the herd of saying this whole basil plant, I'm not going to be able to take care of or use. Let me just kill it. Yeah, or give it away. No yeah, one you wanted can give it, it away. though. Yeah, and that's where I think there might be some confusion with the you gotta have to kill your children. Well, <laughs> I made it sound grow, so dramatic. Like, plants close together. Like basil plants grow can grow close together. They can, and but fact, not from the same peat pellet like that. You never like they don't have to be right next to each other. And that's why I think a peat pellet is a bad measurement of starting volume, I guess. Because they can grow in that environment together strong. Just like my snap peas are doing now and everything else. They can grow that close together. That's why a fields of them exist in the wild. Because they do grow that close. I guess so. And they do grow that close per season because they die off. But I think they could grow. But what's probably going to happen if I were to take one of those little peat pellets that had three seedlings pop through it. Those three plants were not going to all be viable well, if I just would, put them in the ground. So yeah. I had to choose the seedling that was doing the best. They probably would have been more than productive. Like you would have got more than you needed out of them probably. Probably, but we don't know because I killed them. Yeah, well you didn't have to. 
Maybe next year just, like, we'll do that experiment. That's worth trying because a lot of like planting is like a lot of the stuff that I was almost going to do this year. It was like just sow it, just like literally throw it in the in the medium you want. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I think next year, what we've learned from this conversation is we're going to do our own things and we're going to see who comes out with the most, the better garden. Herbs versus veggies. That's an unfair. I harvest all mine. You just, you already (laughs) said that you don't really use that much of your stuff. So I could if I wanted to. That's not why I grow them. I grow them for the experience of it. And then I don't know what to do with them because every year I think I'm going to fail and then when I don't so fail I don't know look, what to tr- do look in how they turn them into spice rack herbs like you <laughs> own like half of the things you've grown true well the chamomile I am interested in trying to make tea yeah that's a goal but dill or any of those other herbs like dill just we cook can with use them with the you cucumbers. do them with your you know find a way to pre- you have to find a way to preserve it yeah whether that's, that's like sealing it in some way for a long time but most of it's probably you could do in a blender or with your, like a food processor or something. True. I have to figure out how, how to dry some of them out. It's the same issue I have with the cucumbers. Is that I only make cucumbers to soak them in dill pickle juice after we've eaten all the dill pickles from the Clausen's jar or whatever. Yeah. So at some point I'm going to have to put up or shut up and stop wasting cucumbers and actually learn how to jar. And actually pickle them. And actually make pickles because I don't like cucumbers. I like cucumbers, and I'll just cut up a cucumber and dip it in balsamic vinegar, and that's a good snack. Like, I could eat a cucumber if it was, like, in a spear form. Yeah. With, like, ranch dressing. I know I could eat that. I just have no interest in it. Right. I because would have to, like, to be cut it up and put it in front of you, and then you'd eat it. But yeah, you're never like going to do that to yourself. No, no not yeah. unless I had to. No, but know? I'll cut up a cucumber, you know, slices, and just dip it in balsamic and eat it. Yeah. Because otherwise they're going to go bad. Like if I could cut up a cucumber and literally dip it in something that turned it into a pickle immediately, no problem. Yeah. Like the same thing. Like if it was balsamic but it was dill pickle essence or something. <laughs> it, then... Essence of pickle. I wish that existed. That's a good idea for a company to look into is making that happen. Instant, instant There's got to be some, a comp- there might be a company out there that makes a, some sort of like pre-made pickle brine. Like give me... Oh, to like just put your cucumbers in. Yeah, that's yeah. also a good thing. That like why doesn't that happen? Like that, that that would be so easy. And I want to say that demand. I guess that uh, someone had told me like they yeah, had there is like a powder. It comes in like a packet. It's like a McCormick thing. Oh. And I've looked for it, and I maybe I don't know how to search for spices well, and I I didn't know, and I haven't asked them again. So uh, maybe that exists, but and I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, that would be cool. It, anything besides, like, having to boil water to make a pickle, like, I'm not interested in that. It has to be a fridge pickle. A fridge pickle. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm fine with either. It just has to be a good pickle. Yeah. It can't like, I'm just, fine with it boiling can't be flavorless. Or whatever, but if it was a... It has to be a dill pickle. And not a sweet pickle. Well, I... We don't have time now for me to get into Clarkson's Farm, but... I do recommend watching that show because it is funny. Obviously, I'm always talking about, like, the Top Gear guys. But we started watching Clarkson's Farm. We're not done. We have, like, two episodes left. But for people who have had no experience living in areas where people own big 
farms like I've grown up in the suburbs so I know of farmers but I don't know like what goes into farming that's a good place to start because I have gained such an appreciation for the amount of work the amount of risk the amount of money and the amount of strategy and planning and all of the various things that go into farming that I did not know at all before watching this, what was probably meant to be a silly show, Clarkson's Farm, has turned out to be like a huge like mind shift change for me of like picturing farmers as like, and I'll, I'll come out and say I'm guilty of picturing farmers as like, like a little bit hillbilly, like simple people. And that is not the case in the 21st century of farming. Like, no, I would say, I would say it's farmers are probably the, the smarter subset of that more rural population. Oh yeah. Cause they have to deal no with joke. all of the equipment one, the seasonal it's- changes and the business aspect of running that, which is part of what I didn't really get a whole, the, what the show was better how i got what i got from it initially was like oh there is a lot more to it than just oh it's about time to grow no it's all planned because oh yeah or you a, die the like, nth it just, degree it, it doesn't happen like so, even the way that the crops are spaced out with the equipment so that the various type like pieces of equipment can navigate through them at various points is insane like the amount it's so complicated i would say someone who like programs computers would understand it but like the average person could not step into what that tractor and operate that cedar or whatever it was called the thing that sowed the seed yeah it's it's like a crazy combination of like expensive tractors and like that are complicated yeah and old equipment that is complicated and could like chop your your arm off because it's so crude it's just like metal parts that somehow work together to make something that plants something for you yeah to save you like hours and hours and hours and weeks of work is like obviously it would be complicated in that in that case because yeah it does that's how save, it used to like, be so there was a lot work. more people right but growing. one person in a tractor can do the job by themselves but that's just something it's a huge investment it's very unpredictable there's no guarantee whatsoever that you'll get a return on your investment because it's completely based on the weather and if things grow or not and then if you are lucky enough to have a good yield of a particular crop like spoiler alert his was potatoes it's all dependent on the demand for that item and if you you have you could make no money because if nobody buys it before it goes bad You've completely lost out on money, time. It's so crazy. I give them so much credit. I would never want to get into farming. So I give them all the credit in the world because they need to be way more educated than a lot of people are to do the job that they do on top of having so much risk financially and to their own health, like with this dangerous equipment and all the other things. So I guess we'll let you know if we can do anything with our cucumbers. But that's all we have for today for the gardening episode. I know we didn't cover it all, but at least we can now update you on the garden and you'll have the context for it. 
So thank you for listening. And I'm Tara. And I'm Mike. And this has been Pizza, Pizza Burger. Burger.